Network. A wise man once said, if you hear a horse, don't look for a zebra. Applied to today's politics, when you find drugs, find the drug addict. And contrary to the gyrations and tortured logic of politics, that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. Yep, politics, the truth in politics. Is that kind of a, a conundrum, saying that together? Truth in politics? I don't know about you, but I'm beginning to believe there isn't truth in politics. In fact, it takes people from outside of politics to determine exactly how bad the falsehoods are. Oh my gosh. We could just spend the whole day right here, couldn't we? Welcome to Friday's edition of TNN Live, a special show today. We have a special treat for you at the bottom of hour number one, and I uh, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'll tell you in just a little bit what the special treat is all about and who is involved in that. But before we go down that road, I want to set the stage for the show today. We have so many pieces that we're going to get into. We're going to get into that second country music debacle of the last three or four weeks. Jason Aldean. And he did a song and he recorded a video. Try that in a small town. I know you've heard about it. We're going to get into the story. Maybe we'll do it with our special guest that's coming on at the bottom of the hour. I don't know. We'll just play it by ear. But we're going to get into the reality of all that. Isn't it crazy that we have to look at circumstances, we have to look at events in our life, and every time we've got to find what's going on and then examine it with a prism of truth just to see what's really going on in it, because most of the time what we're hearing from the left, the legacy media, the mainstream guys, is 180 degrees away (laughs) from the truth. Am I wrong? I don't think anybody can credibly disagree with that. So we're going to talk today about two committee hearings, many other things we're going to get into. But I want to get you thinking here at the top of the show. You probably saw all or part of that House Oversight Committee the other day, on Wednesday, where whistleblower Gary Shapley And a new guy that uh, was whistleblower X until he appeared in that committee hearing. And uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about him in just a little bit. But in in that hearing, Shapley suggested in his opening statement that the House Oversight Committee should gather more evidence about Attorney General Garland potentially lying to Congress about political interference in the DOJ's Hunter Biden investigation. That was what he suggested. I thought that was kind of odd. Here's what Shapley said. He led Congress to believe the case was insulated from improper political influence because every decision was made exclusively by Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss. But here's what Shapley said. That was not true. I mean, he just came right out and said it. Merrick Garland Attorney General said that David Weiss, that federal attorney from Delaware, had all the power necessary to make all decisions on his own. 
Shapley said, the Justice Department allowed the president's political appointees to weigh in on whether to charge the president's son. After U.S. Attorney for D.C. Matthew Graves, who was appointed by President Biden, absolutely refused to bring charges in March of 2022, Shapley said, I watched U.S. Attorney Weiss till a room full of senior FBI and IRS senior leaders on October 7th, 2022, that he was not the deciding person on whether charges would be filed. Shapley said, that was my red line. In other words, he saw lying going on in the department in which he was serving at that time. Shapley said, I had already seen a pattern of preferential treatment and obstruction. Now, U.S. Attorney Weiss was admitting that what the American people believed, based on what the Attorney General said in his sworn statement, was false. And Shapley said, I can no longer stay silent. Let me be clear. Although these facts contradict Attorney General Garland's testimony and raise serious questions for you to investigate, I have never claimed to have evidence that Attorney General Garland knowingly lied to Congress. Whether Garland knew his testimony was fault and false is for you and the inspector generals to determine, not me. So it's not clear if those House Oversight Committees will subpoena Garland and the Justice Department for more evidence to determine whether the AG knowingly lied under oath. The House Judiciary Select Subcommittee on Weaponization subpoenaed the DOJ in February for internal communications related to Garland's memo that directed law enforcement to monitor school board meetings. Comer, Smith, and Jordan have requested transcribed interviews with over a dozen officials. I don't have anything further at the moment, but I expect more at some point. That was a spokesperson for the House Oversight Committee speaking after that hearing on Wednesday. House Republicans, they requested interviews with at least 13 people involved in the Hunter Biden investigation, and that includes Garland and Weiss. Testimony from Shapley and the other whistleblower, Whistleblower X, who is now known as Joseph Ziegler, in testimony to the House Ways and Means Committee, it contradicted their testimony, contradicted A.G. Garland's congressional testimony, where he said the Hunter Biden case was free from political interference. Garland's denied the allegations of any interference, and he stood by what he told Congress in his sworn statement. Absolutely not. And the president has not done that. And the president has committed not to interfere, not only in that investigation, but any other kind of investigation. That was the Attorney General Garland replying to Republican Tennessee Senator Bill Haggerty in an April 2022 hearing in front of the Senate Appropriations Committee. Because we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee. Why do they all keep saying that? Oh, this guy was appointed by Donald Trump and this judge was, was named by Donald Trump. Why do they do that? They try to do that. They're saying 
This legitimizes what we're saying because these guys wouldn't ever do anything that was bipartisan or nonpartisan at all because he was a Trump guy. Garland reiterated his claims to Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley in March of this year, a month before Congress got the letter from the whistleblower from the IRS that accused Garland of lying in his testimony. Weiss happens to be still the lead prosecutor in the Hunter Biden investigation. He, again, here we go, was appointed by then-President Trump, and he had bipartisan support. That's supposed to make everything that Weiss does or doesn't do, says or doesn't say, makes it okay because he was appointed by President Trump. It's like nobody in government that was appointed by Donald Trump could ever be accused of anything wrong because it was Donald Trump that appointed him. You would think in the environment that we find ourselves in where everybody on the left hates anything and everything to do with Donald Trump, they would consider that a, a negative about Trump. But they're trying to push blame away from the left side of the aisle and everybody who subscribes to that theory. Shapley's attorneys released an email that he sent in October of 22 showing that Weiss did not have final charging authority in the Hunter case, despite assertions from the AG himself and Weiss that he had final authority. Shapley's email also showed Weiss requested special counsel authority. And he got denied following the Biden-appointed D.C. U.S. Attorney Matthew Graves' refusal to charge Hunter at all. Shapley testified to the House Ways and Means Committee that Biden-appointed U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California, E. Martin Estrada, blocked Weiss from charging Hunter in California. The New York Times independently confirmed Estrada's decision to prevent Weiss from charging the younger Biden. So, Weiss wrote in a letter to Republican South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham in July, July 10th to be exact, that he didn't request special counsel authority and only requested special attorneys for the case. He said in the letter he was never denied the authority to charge Hunter Biden in any jurisdiction. Somebody's telling a biggin here. However, Weiss wrote in a June 30th letter to Republican Ohio's Representative Jim Jordan, who happens to be chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Weiss wrote to Jim Jordan that his charging authority was limited to his Delaware district. Now, the stories are all changing, and everybody's scrambling to get in on the appropriate side they need to be on. Here's what Weiss said to Jordan. As the U.S. Attorney for the District of Delaware, my charging authority is geographically limited to my home district. If venue for a case lies somewhere else, common departmental practice is to contact the U.S. Attorney's Office for the district in question and determine whether it wants to partner on the case. This is Weiss writing this to Jim Jordan. AOC. New York Rep. 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez asked Shapley at that hearing on Wednesday if he would clarify whether his email was referring to Weiss's purported request for special counsel status or the special attorney's request that Weiss mentioned. Shapley told AOC his email was addressing Weiss's alleged request for special counsel status. Shapley and Ziegler's testimony appeared to show obstruction of the Hunter Biden investigation by Delaware Assistant U.S. Attorney Leslie Wolf. Remember her name. It will come up again and again and again as this thing gets even uglier on a daily basis. Leslie Wolf. She allegedly blocked searches of Hunter Biden's Northern Virginia storage space and Joe Biden's Delaware residence where Hunter Biden lived. Both of the whistleblowers confirmed she blocked them several times. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has raised the possibility of launching an impeachment inquiry into Merrick Garland if the whistleblower allegations are true. Hunter Biden was charged in June with two tax-related misdemeanors and a felony gun charge. He pleaded guilty to the charges and as of now will not face jail time. However, next week, a federal judge will formally hear the plea bargain deal that Hunter Biden agreed to and the judge has to accept it, but the judge can also reject it. Federal Attorney Weiss said the investigation is still ongoing shortly after the charges were made public, and they always say that because they don't want to talk about it. And even though it's not law, we all know that story. If there's an open investigation on something, we can't comment on it. We can't talk about it. There's no law that says that's the case. It's somebody that is just arbitrarily making that decision and saying it's factual. It is not factual. So what is it? It's a stinking cover-up. That's what it is. We should be used to all that by now. Oh, and by the way, the judge has set a date for the documents trial for former President Donald Trump. We've got that. We've got a whole lot more and a big treat coming up at the bottom of the hour. It's Friday. Thank God. It's Friday. I'm looking looking forward. Can't wait for the weekend.
second song that the Doobie Brothers released after Michael McDonald joined the group. He's the one that brought that big voice with him. What was the first one? Oh, What a Fool Believes. Two great songs, a great group, and Michael McDonald just made it that much better. Michael, he's one of my two favorite Michaels in music. The other's Michael Franks. And no, I'm not going to play another song. I'm not going to. Until later in the show when we get to Jason Aldean's big controversial song. It's crazy. You can't do anything. You can't say anything. You can't go anywhere. You can't even look at somebody the wrong way. And who determines what the wrong way is, right? Oh, my gosh. I listened to a story yesterday with um, a couple of young people, one young person. And I think it may be in this soundbite that I'm fixing to play in just a minute from uh, The Five yesterday. Jesse Waters started it off and talks about the narrative of the left that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. But this young person, they were talking about mis- or disgendering people. In this environment we live in, we don't know who the heck is what. Is it male, female, uh, trans? And there are so many other isms and pronouns that are out there. There is a militant push on by a generation of young Americans that want it to be a crime if somebody misgenders or disgenders anybody. They want to call everything one of the isms. It's racism. It's xenophobia. All of those, there's a name for it, and they want to weaponize that against people with who they do not agree. This is the United States of America, isn't it? Anybody can say anything about anything else, even if it makes somebody be uncomfortable. But when you start talking about weaponizing the government and the law against somebody just because they disagree with you or they may say the wrong pronoun, they want you to go to jail for doing that. I'm not joking. It's a really big deal. But all of this stuff that we see unwrapping every day, it's not like it's just something that's been back there going on. It's like a new and different chapter every day. The left is taking opportunities where they go unchecked to weaponize certain things in our society against people who disagree with them. That, my friends, is the ultimate example of an attack on the First Amendment and free speech. So I'm going to let you listen to a couple of the uh, quote-unquote experts on the five. Starts off with Jesse Waters. This is from yesterday. So there's a new liberal narrative brewing. Despite blue states crumbling into crime-infested no-go zones, the media wants you to think that it's the red states that are terrible. CNBC is getting blasted over an article that names Texas and Florida as the worst states to live and work, (laughs) citing laws protecting unborn life, so-called targeting of LGBTQ people and the state's issues with inclusiveness. Strange, not a peep about how left-wing policies are causing folks to leave liberal areas in droves. Jessica, we'll go to you first. (laughs) Generous of you. Do you really think that these states, Texas and Florida, are bad places to live? Everyone's moving there. 
a lot of people are moving there, and I'm definitely not going to try to sugarcoat the exodus from these big blue states, and we're really suffering in terms of tax revenue. A lot of rich people leaving, a lot of corporations have left. Um, but I do think that making a decision of where you want to live as a single person, especially as a family, is a really big one. You're going to be looking at all sorts of factors. You're going to be considering what the education system looks like. You're going to be thinking about um, what kind of access to health care. If you have a daughter that you're going there, a lot of people have said in terms of picking where you go to university, for instance, you're going to end up in a state where you could become pregnant, let's say 20 years old, and you're not going to have access to reproductive health care there. That does matter. Climate change matters. I mean, we're seeing record temperatures going on right now. Texas has been under a heat advisory forever. In Florida, they had a record on Monday, 109 in Miami, where a lot of people moved to. 16 days in a row of at least 105. At least they have affordable energy. Mm. <laughs> sure. Uh, there are pluses. Come on, it was joke. pretty good. It was no, good. But there was also there was a study out from the Council of Criminal Justice, nonpartisan, mm. looked at data of 30 U.S. cities, including L.A., Philly, Chicago, um, New York, the first half of this year, and the homicide rates have dropped by over nine percent. And now the homicide rate in Miami is three times that of New York City, with a GOP mayor who thinks that he's going to be president of the United States of America. And a GOP governor who also thinks he's going to be president of the United States of America. So go blue states. Oh, go blue states. We're so high. That's what it was. If it, if, when you get that high, it has to come down at some point. But anyway. Does it? Yes. I thought in Biden's America, the killing never stops. Well, it seems that way. <laughs> Greg? Oh. Um, <laughs> this is why the United States is great, though. It's, it's federalism, Dana. Oh, that's yes. interesting. <laughs> a terrain, it's a terrain for beta testing. Right. Every state can, can can try out stuff. They should be trying out more stuff. There should be sanctuary cities for people who want to have guns. Right. You come here with your gun. We'll take like we have sanctuary city for illegal acts. So like, why can't we have sanctuary cities for other things? How about a sanctuary city for not paying taxes? I mean, there should be comparisons. The things that it's called Delaware. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the weirdest thing is, the same time this stuff, this stuff came out, there was a study that CNN was promoting, and I don't even know if it was CNN's original stuff, saying mass shooting among blacks is a curl where there are more blacks. Did you see this? And they blamed it on structural racism. There was not a shred of evidence in there, and it's like maybe in these urban dense areas. That should be factored in. Maybe move to these, you know, small towns. Because guess what? That stuff doesn't happen in small towns. But the jobs aren't there. <laughs> yeah, they the should. Problem. I think that's going to change over time. People are working at well, home. Well, more remote. Yeah. Yeah. Dana? Well, I think that the people who are moving to these states don't watch CNBC. Right? Because here's the, some of the criteria that CNBC used. It wasn't, can you safely raise a child here? But can you get an abortion there? It wasn't... Um, can you sue your employer? It was, can you sue your employer for woke nonsense? It was more like, do they f ask for voter ID as if that was like a bad thing? They asked um, things like, in Tennessee, it's hard to live in because the legislature banned drag shows for children. Why that's hard to, to live there. But people started voting with their feet during COVID, but it's continued. And I love the experimentation, especially when they look at their paychecks and go, whoa, mm -hmm. I got more money in my pocket. That's true. Judge Jeanine. You know, they didn't even try to be fair in this thing. The 10 states, and uh, yeah, I agree with Dana. I mean, you know, it was all about voting, reproductive freedoms, inclusiveness. It had nothing to do with the economic conditions, buying a house, safety, free speech, free religion, all that stuff. No, that was not part of it. But every one of the states that they say are, are the top 10 worst, they're all Republican. They didn't even try to throw one <laughs> blue one in there, you know. Uh, but the truth is, this, the top 10 states, 
states where people are fleeing, nine out of 10 are Democrat states. And they're fleeing for a lot of reasons. And it is a lot of, because of the taxes and because of the fact that there is no safety there. So, you know, I think the criteria was ridiculous. And I think uh, that they obviously made a big mistake. What I thought was interesting also when I was doing the research on this in Moscow, Idaho, just today, they, that town had to pay $300,000 to three Catholics uh, who apparently w were arrested during a uh, religious service outside and they weren't wearing a mask. Mm. You know, th that's the kind of religious freedom that's important, too. All right, Jessica, 0 for 3 today. Let's see oh if she can gosh. turn it around in the next block. <laughs> oh, a John Kerry block. All Thanks a lot. <laughs> Let's uh, chat a little bit more about controversial things. And uh, we're going to do this real quickly. And take a break, and on the other side of the break, our special surprise for you. What about Jason Aldean? He's tackling his very latest controversy, he and his wife, Brittany. He's got a brand new single out. The title is Try That in a Small Town. And that song has sparked backlash for its perceived racist content and had its music video pulled from CMT, Country Music Television. Try That in a Small Town was released back in May. The lyrics speak to small towns not putting up with riots and lawlessness that many cities faced in the summer of 2020. Some of the lyrics in the song included in Aldine's forthcoming as yet untitled album include, Got a gun that my granddad gave me? They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that, S-H-I-T, might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. See how far you make it down the road. You cross that line, it won't take long for you to find out. I recommend you don't. Try that in a small town. Try that in a small town. Anybody out there that's lived in a small town, you know exactly what the song is talking about, but the controversy was the video behind it. It is a multitude of news clips directly pulled from news coverage of those riots in 2020. Here's a song. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well, try that in a small town See how far you make it down the road Around here we take care of our own You cross that line, it won't take long For you to find out, I recommend you don't Try that in a small town My granddad gave me They say one day they're gonna round up Well that shit might fly in the city Good luck, try that in a small town See how far you make it down the road Around here we take care of our own You cross that line, it won't take long For you to find out, I recommend you don't Try that in a small town Full of good 
are dropping their own crops for the day a friend is in need and they've come to help it's what this community and a lot of our communities stand for somebody needs some help you'll get it So there you go. Try that in a small town. Jason Aldean. And our phone is ringing, 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 ringing. Good morning. Here's our surprise for the day. Steve Baker joining us. Hey, buddy. Well, that was a cold intro, huh? How are you doing? Yeah, I didn't give you any warning. I wanted you to come in. I was going to wait till after the break. But then uh, you being a professional musician and this controversy with Jason Aldean, I thought it would be appropriate for you to give us a little bit of your expertise about the controversy in that song. Well, uh, let's just start out by saying I love the song. And I'm not even talking about the lyrical content. It's just got a great hook to it. I mean, the star hook. uh, And if you you didn't notice, they seem to have borrowed a little lick from uh, Michael Jackson's Beat It. Yeah. Uh, in the in the chorus there, and so I think that that was done purposefully because if you go back and look at the lyrics to beat it, like for instance in the the second verse, it says they're out to get you. Better leave while you can. Don't want to be a boy. You want to be a man. You want to stay alive. Better do what you can. So beat it. Just beat it. Ah. Doesn't that sound a little bit a, a a little bit like some of the lyrics from this song. Well, here we go. Steve Baker, you know? our resident investigative journalist, professional musician. <laughs> <laughs> and now well, that, that you've become you a see, Michael Jackson expert. You got to. Well, that Michael was my Jackson. first response. Yeah. When I heard the song and then I heard that. Uh, it, and it's just a, it's just a quick reference to the rhythm guitar track from the Michael Jackson song. Yeah. And I thought, you know, Sometimes producers and writers, and that that probably in my mind, and I don't know because I wasn't there for the writing sessions, but I would imagine that in the final arrangement and production sections of that song, somebody had the idea, let's just throw in that little and because there's a similar message to the two songs. And of course the, 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 the Michael Jackson song was 40 years ago. Yeah. And yeah. So, but, but you know, let's, let's get to the, let's get to the gist of this thing and the overblown hype and the, um, the, uh, the fake 
reaction to this thing. I mean, the the outrage mob is just really gone over the top this time for this a, one, a couple reasons. I mean, this one starts because the music video was shot at Maury County Courthouse, and if you've yeah. seen that courthouse, music videos galore use that courthouse. It's in all kind. It was in movies. It's a very famous courthouse, but the target, one of the targets of Aldine came from the fact that that courthouse, the Murray County Courthouse, allegedly there were some blacks that were hung there years ago. So just because yeah. of that, and that's an alleged thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have any proof that that actually happened. But you don't have to have proof now if you're on the left. If you just take shots at somebody, well, it's a, if you if they went to the trouble to say it, it means it's got to be true. So that's number one. Number two is because in the background of the footage all the way through it, the, the scenes, the actual news scenes, every clip yep. was taken from a news clip from the riots, 574 confirmed actual riots that happened across the nation the summer of 2020. And people did you on the left are upset they used. Do what now? But in the in the footage that they use from these riots in the video, 98% of the footage that he uses is all white rioters. Well, that's because most of the rioters were white. He can't he can't um he can't get away from the outrage mob, and 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 as you said, when the, when you start talking about the courthouse scenes, and then the alleged um, implications that he, the, the veiled implications of uh, this song is about lynching and and this sort of racial retribution, and, and you don't even you don't even have to go there if you go and you look at the um, the the modern uh, culture of rap music. They don't hide anything. We don't, you don't have to go look for the hidden messages. You don't have to turn over any stones. You don't have to go back and do the backward masking thing like you know, they were doing back in the 70s and 80s with, with, with music, looking for hidden lyrics. You just have to listen to what they said. I, I, I pulled up, uh, not even knowing that we were going to talk about this today, I had on my one of my tabs on my, my computer uh, browser, and I was, cause I was doing some research into this yesterday, and one just... Yeah, of course, I can't. I can't quote most of these, as you know, because every other word is either the F word or the N word, or you know, or the the B word or something like that. But I found I found one that I could actually quote for you, and this is from uh, a song entitled "Ex Girlfriend." The name of the artist is Esham, and he says, "I used to love her. Too bad I had to put a slug through her, dumped her body in the trash like I never knew her." Blood running down the gutter into the sewer. Her body stunk for weeks like horse manure. And that is as that is it. I, anything else of the other list of lyrics of this of this type that I pulled out and to show as a way of comparison to the Jason Aldean song, I can't read them in the air. Can't I can't read uh, I can't read one one uh, line of the lyric without running your audience off. My uh, oldest daughter last night, she pulled out somebody, I can't remember if it was on Twitter or Facebook, but put the lyrics of that. You you can't do that in a, try that in a small town. Put the lyrics of that side by side with Cardi B's 
biggest song. And talk about not being able to uh, give the words on the air of it. Every other word was the F song, uh, F word, the P word, and talked about murder and all that kind of stuff. But you don't need anything substantive any longer to be able to be authorized to object and uh, come in and just clamp down on anybody and anything with which you disagree. Hey, we got to take this break on the other side. This is what Steve Baker is here to talk about this morning. We've had back-to-back two very controversial House committee meetings, all referencing Hunter Biden. And now not just Hunter Biden, but Daddy Biden, Joe. Joe appears to be right in the bullseye of this whole controversy. Right after this break, we're going to get into it. And I know our prophet from the northeast is going to bring us some words of wisdom. Steve Baker's with us for a little while this morning, helping me out. And uh, he'll be up with that right after this. What's the biggest number you can think of? A trillion, billion, zillion. That's pretty big. How about you? Ten. Okay. How about you? Infinity. Can you top that? Infinity and one. Actually, we are looking for infinity plus infinity. Sorry. What about infinity times infinity? It's not complicated. Bigger is better. And AT&T has the nation's largest 4G network. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads. Quieter brake pads. Longer life brake pads. And performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, auto zone. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I wasn't not looking at it. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Oh, yeah. Jesus. Supermodels. What do you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers. Stacy, relax. I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Starbucks Via Instant is made with the same 100% Arabica beans served at Starbucks. So it's the only instant with the rich, delicious taste of the Starbucks coffees you love and takes only seconds to make. Starbucks Via Instant, the only instant coffee of its kind. Available in black flavored lattes and iced coffee. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. And we're glad today to have Mr. Truther. Here to help us out, Steve Baker joins us today, (laughs) normally here every Tuesday, but uh, I haven't said too much about this, but I've had two eye surgeries this week, both very successful, and um, because I had two eye surgeries, I've had a little problem in the old vision category, and it's tough to do what we do here and tough to do what Steve Baker does if you're a little handicapped with vision. So uh, he graciously came in here to help us today. And Steve's got so many things going on in his plate. He spends an inordinate amount of his life in Washington, D.C. 
and we're blessed to have all of the information that he's been able to garner while he's there and just keep us in the loop with all of that stuff. Plus, he's a professional musician, has a band, and they travel all over. They're pretty darn good. I've heard good things about them from people that I have a tremendous amount of respect for musically. And so now that I've blown your head way up big, and certainly you've got the big head, you're kind of like me, you've got a big head anyway. Um, I know you watched these two days of committee hearings, and you probably just like me, and we've not, in, in clarity, folks, he and I haven't talked about either of our feelings about these two days of committees hearing, uh, but I'm pretty sure Steve feels a lot like you do and like I do. It's hard to believe these people actually have a job in government. But all yeah. that being said, Steve, let's go back just for a little bit on the Wednesday the uh, the first one where Gary Shapley and what's mm-hmm. what was his name? Zig. Oh uh, uh, well, it, it, the other it, whistleblower. Well, let's go with whistleblower X. Well, yeah, he was X <laughs> until the meeting. <laughs> That's what they were. That yeah. was what they were calling him before uh, his identity was revealed. That's so right. what what are the big takeaways you got from that Wednesday hearing? I'll, I'll give you the biggest one right off the bat, and I, and it's going to come in the form of a question to you. You ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. See, uh, I'm calling you Seymour this morning. Seymour. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Hey, call me right, anything. So, Just call me. <laughs> that's right. So here, here's the big question for you this morning. All right. When was the last time in your life you can ever recall, remember, that you were rooting for two IRS agents <laughs> in a congressional committee hearing that's an easy answer never <laughs> <laughs> right right so how about that how about the entire right side of the nation's political aisle <laughs> found ourselves actually cheering on a couple of <laughs> irs agents special agents of the irs in a committee hearing against the democratic um committee members questions and those members, uh, very, uh, well, you, you, you obviously you saw what I saw. It was an unbelievable display of, again, not this time we weren't getting the obfuscation from the committee, um, witness. We were getting diversion and, and obfuscation, subject matter changing whiplash from the democratic committee members because every single time that they got the question to them are they went into basically one of their five minute speeches where they diverted attention away from the actual purpose of the hearing, which was to get to the truth of exactly what was happening with Hunter Biden's financial records. I mean, this was the whole point of the hearing and his tax returns and what they discovered there during their investigations over many, many years. And, and then the obstruction in those investigations and the fact that every single time that they brought information to their uh, higher-ups in the IRS organization, that this information was being passed along to the Biden family attorneys. And then eventually it was being passed along to the Biden um, uh, presidential transition team. This information was being fed not for the benefit of, of – uh, uh, advancing 
towards justice, but to warn the Bidens and to get them prepared and to then obviously subvert the process through the other uh, federal agencies that were involved in tamping down and obscuring and hiding this investigation. But instead of all of this being the point of the hearing to the Democrats, they're immediately they started changing the subject and saying, what well, Trump this, Trump that, what about Trump? We need to be focusing on this. We need to be, we, and We've got uh, starving families. We've got homelessness in the streets. It, that's all they did. And in fact, um, I, I got a big chuckle out of this. Whistle uh, FBI whistleblower Steve Friend. He tweeted out right in the middle of the of that hearing on Wednesday, and he said, he said, really, we should have all been playing a drinking game today. That every single time the Democrats mention Trump in this hearing, that we you know take a shot of liquor or whatever. And I I, I was doing my five and ten. Uh, broadcast later that afternoon, and I said something to the effect: "If if I had agreed to a drinking game and taking a shot every time that uh, the name Trump was mentioned by the Democrats in that hearing, I would have been too drunk to do my show." <laughs> and but that was that was the gist of it. That's what happened that day. They it did was everything it, they could to hide what was happening. It was crazy. Every question when. Uh, the Democrat, whichever it was, that their time was up to ask questions of the witnesses, most of them would say, we can't believe something like this. We can't believe we're here today. We're not talking about the merits of any of this stuff that was done. The only reason we're here is because of Donald Trump, 37 <laughs> times indicted now. And we're dealing with this stuff, and we've got Donald Trump over there that we're not... I mean. It was so stinking obvious that they had no substance that they could come back and ask a real question to try to get a real answer. You know why? Everybody in the room and everybody looking in already knew the answers to it all. And it's like now every day somebody's throwing, it's like pulling a pin on a grenade, standing next to a room full of people and very quietly one time every day now, some Republican throws a grenade out in the middle of the people and another one goes, bam. And then everybody starts scrambling on the left. They start scrambling for cover because there's something else. They've got to try to deflect away from their guy and their guys and blame Trump for something else. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, that, and that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, which committee they, hearing, they, they, the, the Wednesday one or the Thursday one, where they got into the uh, the First Amendment, weaponization against the First Amendment, and had... That was Thursday. That was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. that was yesterday. The Wednesday was mm -hmm. the, uh, uh, where they had the two whistleblowers yesterday. Yeah, that was the oversight. The, uh, committee. Yeah, mm -hmm. the weaponization uh, subcommittee. Which do you think, yeah. if either showed any factual information to the American people, which one would it have been? Which would have been the most factual? Yes. Oh, uh, from what I saw, that both of them were pre presenting in incredible factual information, except for that which was being uh, blathered about on the left side of the aisle uh, from the, the Democrats. Both of those were 
tremendously revelatory. Now, we already knew a lot about the weaponization against the First Amendment coming from uh, the Twitter files and coming from the testimony of, of Mark Zuckerberg when he admitted that the FBI had sat down with him personally and said, we need you to block, actually stop the, 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 uh, the, those who are posting information about Hunter Biden's laptop. Um, so we knew about the three years of this COVID thing where so many of us were being booted off of our social media sites or, or we were being throttled. Our reach was being tamped down. Our, our stories were being fact-checked. We were being kicked off the sites or suspended for period of you know, 30 days or whatever the case may be for doing nothing more than uh, sometimes referencing actual CDC or NIH articles, uh, actual peer-reviewed medical uh, journal studies. And we were getting uh, kicked to the curb. And, of course, that was the gist of the uh, uh, RFK Jr. committee hearing yesterday. So both of them were replete with factual information, except or unless you listened to the questions from the Democrats. Mike Johnson, 4th Congressional District Congressman yesterday, he got into it with the freshman Democrat from New York, and I forget his name. They got after each other, and it was simply because he accused the Democrat from New York, accused Mike Johnson of presenting stuff that had no factual foundation in what was presented. And all Mike was doing at that particular time, if you saw that segment, he was referencing all of the information that was already on the record. It had been testified to under oath and was on the record, but that points to exactly what is happening in this Congress. Facts no longer matter. It's what is politically correct at the moment, and that changes from minute to minute. They have to move it around because there's so much graft and corruption that's being uncovered now, and it it goes all the way from top to bottom. The, the stuff that we've seen now, and one that I want to talk about specifically in just a minute. It actually came out a little bit later in the day yesterday. And it it came from um, uh, Iowa. It came from Chuck Grassley, senator from Iowa, who just happened to (laughs) release something. And he's getting shelled today because of what he released and its sources. I actually have three stories about the same thing yesterday. And I'll get into that in just a minute. But the stories are from three different news agencies. And the perspective of two of them are leftist legacy media outlets. And they call what was released yesterday alleged, alleged, all the way through it's alleged. And the one from a conservative media outlet, it doesn't say it's factual, alleged, didn't make any screaming, hollering claims. It just presented the facts and let the chips fall where they may. That particular part of life in America today, where we are supposedly being taken care of by those we send up there to represent us in Congress, we're finding out more every day. The only reason many of them are there was to put their retirement funds in place. What can I get out of this? How can I get a leg up? How can I do better for me and my family and all those big contributors that actually paid the tariff to get me up here? That is becoming more obvious every single day. And honestly, I'm 70 years old next week. Uh, 
I'm Uh-oh. scared to death. I am scared to death, and I shouldn't be because you and I have kind of a different vantage point to look at all this. We communicate back and forth with people that are right in the middle of it pretty regularly, so we know a little bit more of the details. But even that, even that, Steve, I'm scared to death because I don't know if we can stop this train. I really don't. And when we have these committee hearings like the one Wednesday, but especially the one yesterday, which was explicitly to be talking about weaponizing government against the First Amendment and the free speech rights of Americans and those leaders up there. These are people at the top of our government. Those on the left, there was not a single one that asked a single question or made a single statement that gave me any hope that they really believe that we as Americans should have an unfettered right to say what's on our minds, regardless of what it is, and regardless who it implicates or who it offends. That's the First Amendment, and they don't give a rip about it anymore. Well, Dan, on Monday and Tuesday, I'll be back in D.C., and I hear what you're saying about wondering if we can stop what's going on and if we can right this ship, if we can alter the trajectory that we seem to be on, and which is a, which obviously is a negative trajectory trajectory right now. But on Monday and Tuesday, my days are filled up already with appointments. I'll be meeting with actual staffers from both of these committees that we're talking about right now. I'll be meeting with staffers there. And I, I, I tell you, I was, I was talking to a, really close friend of mine last night, we went to dinner and I told him, I said that this time three years ago, I was sitting on my front porch every day, you know, with my laptop and my cigar, uh, not being allowed to work. The government had weaponized me against them, you know, through this COVID crisis thing by denying me the right to earn a living for a year and a half. And I never dreamed that three years ago, that I would be looking across the table from my buddy and saying, oh yeah, Monday I'm going to be meeting with this committee staffer and then Tuesday with this committee group. And point being is somehow, some way, and I don't know why, I don't know why God has put me in this position. I am blindsided by it. I'm humbled by it. I don't even quite yet know how to interpret it myself, but I've been given access to make our voice is heard, your voice, your audience's voice, and to make it heard to the people that matter. And believe me, when I get into those sessions and in those meetings, and the reason why I'm getting me, and this is, this is a really interesting situation, Dan, I'm not getting into those meetings and getting this access because I'm a, um, a lobbyist with a pocket full of cash, quite the opposite. I'm getting access to these these congressmen and these uh, committee members simply because I have such a strong message to bring them about the darkness that they're not even aware of. That's knocking on their door. It's creeping up the steps of that building. They know, I mean, they're there. I'm not, I don't mean to diminish it and make them seem completely naive or, or incompetent because they're not, they're very aware. In fact, they're overwhelmed with it, but there's so much more coming their way. 
and because of individuals that I've been able to make contact with over the last couple of years that know the work that I've been doing, know the discoveries that I've made, they're kicking these doors open for me and giving me access to that. So we, we're we fighting, Dan. I, I'm not going to quit. I mean, hey, happy birthday to you. Uh, you're, you. You got me by seven years, but that's what I told my buddy last night. I said, I said, I, I, it, it's unimaginable at my age, at 63, that not only is this, um, you know, a, a basically a career reinvention for me at, at this time of life, but to have such a dramatic opportunity to make an impact. I would have never have dreamed of this when I started, you know, this whole writing thing 25, 30 years ago. Never would have dreamed that it would have led me to this place. Well, here but I we're, sit. We're going to, here I sit. Yeah, we're... Um, a 32-year-old, very successful, multimillion-dollar corporation. Um, at one time, I uh, I was number one in this market in morning drive time. Later, I owned a 100,000-watt FM radio station. And I'm at a point in my life at 70 years old, we're, we're supposed to be out to pasture. You at 63, you're supposed to be just planning which island you're going to live on when you formally retire. And both of us are doing something that's not only nothing like we thought we were going to get into at a later point in our lives, but if we look at it from a pragmatic standpoint, and I don't want to use your website's name, (laughs) pragmatic (laughs) constitutionalist, but if we would look at circumstantially where we both are in the context of where we've been, neither of us would even be considering what we're doing right now today, especially having an inside look at the graft and corruption that unless a bunch of people like us, not just somebody that doesn't give a rip, but people that really care about the nation and care about the next couple of generation of, of Americans that look at this and saying this isn't right and are willing to step up and say something, and not only say something, but do something about it. You and I, on the last few times you've, we've been together on this show, we have both told people it's not enough to know what's going on. You've got to make your voices heard. We all do. And it's going to come down to, you and I have talked about this offline, it's going to come down to, unless we make some dramatic changes fairly quickly, we will have blood in the streets of American cities. And if it comes up again for these same reasons we're talking about today, it won't look like what we saw in those 574 riots in the summer of 2020. It won't just be some protesters that got violent and it turned into rioters one way. It's going to be war. Civil War, who would have thought 10 years ago we would even be considering this today? But not only are we considering it, we're pretty darn sure we're headed down that road. We have to be very careful about this kind of language, though, Dan. I know. You hear what you I just know. said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, this, that, la- that language that you just used right there was almost verbatim exactly what earned Oath Keeper Stuart Rhodes, uh, the founder of the Oath Keepers, an 18-year prison sentence. That's literally 
the only thing that he was guilty of. He didn't enter the Capitol. He didn't do any violence. In fact, when the violence broke out, he was at his hotel room, saw it and heard about it on television, was getting messages on his phone, and then left and then walked over to the Capitol to check on his guys who were doing security operations. And then all of a sudden, a year later, he gets arrested, charged with seditious conspiracy. I sit in the trial for nine weeks, and every single day I hear them play back speeches that he made even before January 6th was ever even planned, was ever scheduled, put on the calendar, where he said exactly the words that you said. If we don't write this ship, there's going to be violence in the streets. There's going to be civil war. And they flashed those images up on the screens in front of that D.C. jury, and they're like, oh, oh my God, scary words. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And then the judge five months, six months later, comes out in their sentencing hearing and says, he says, you are eloquent, you're smart, and because you have proven that you're a leader of men, you're a danger to society. 18 years, federal prison. So I hopeful, I'm hopeful you're not prophesying something like that over your buddy. I'm not prophesying over my buddy. I'm telling you, this is what we're up against. Yeah. And this is what this committee yesterday was all about. Because I have been saying for weeks and weeks and weeks now, months actually, I have been saying the single most dangerous um, uh, domestic threat against us right now today is the threat coming from the left against our First Amendment rights to free speech. There is no other greater threat. And that was the point of that hearing yesterday, and that was the one thing that the Democrats were doing everything in their power to obscure by diversion, obfuscation, changing the subject, reverting back to talking about Trump, 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 or whatever else that they were talking about, and and also uh, leveling false accusations against Kennedy's uh, statements about, uh, you know, obviously statements of racism and yeah. anti-Semitism, which yeah. was all, which, which was all nonsense. And, and then, and then the, 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 the outrage display, I forget what, which Congressman this was, where he says, you're, you're just, you know, you, you are uh, sullying your family name. I, I, I am, I am, I am in public service today because of your father and you're destroying your father's name. I couldn't believe that guy had the gall to sit there and stare Kennedy in the face and 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 uh, uh, reach that deep into his quiver with a false outrage. But that's but that hearing yesterday is it was the exemplification of exactly what I've been warning um, on all of my media outlets. Everything that I can do and say and everywhere every, everywhere and every place and anyone that will allow my voice to be heard. I keep saying over and over, Dan. It is the weaponization against our speech is the single most important thing that we have to fight against right now. We're going to take another break, but on the other side, I want to get into something specific that came out yesterday, and it's another one of those FBI forms. And as I said just minutes ago, it came from Chuck Grassley, senior senator in the Senate, the oldest guy there. He's from Iowa. And the facts that are included... But I'm going to give you a synopsis of three different releases in the media talking about the truth of that FBI form. Steve Baker with us. We'll be right back two minutes from now. 
Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, at truthnewsnet.org. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country, making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Okay, so here's the skinny. Yesterday, uh-huh. another document came into the marketplace of ideas. Very quietly, it came out, and it has caused all kinds of controversy. I told you there were different versions of it coming out in different media publications. And so one of them, the first one I saw it in, was The Hill. Now, The Hill is typically known to be somewhere in the middle, maybe leaning a little bit to the left ordinarily. But I'm going to give you just a synopsis of this same story from two different outlets. First of all, from The Hill. It starts with the title of the article, and this should tell you something from the get-go. Here it is. Republicans release FBI form with unverified Biden Burisma allegations. So if you're just a casual reader and you see that headline, you automatically think, oh, not only is it unverified, it's still alleged. We have no idea if it's true or not. So here's the top part of the story. Republicans Thursday released a copy of an unverified tip to the FBI alleging a scheme to bribe President Biden, a tip that has not been corroborated but is nonetheless fueling GOP investigations into the Biden family. And I'll give you the second paragraph, and then we'll look at another news source. The information memorialized in an FD-1023 form documenting interactions with a confidential informant was released by Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa and House Oversight Republicans who threatened to hold the FBI director in contempt of Congress amid efforts to review 
and obtain the document. The tip revolves around an allegation long pushed by former President Trump involving then-Vice President Joe Biden, his son Hunter Biden, and a Ukrainian prosecutor. While carrying out Obama administration policy that had been coordinated with European allies, then-Vice President Biden argued that Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shokin was corrupt and threatened to withhold $1 billion in funding to Ukraine unless Shokin was fired. Others in the international community likewise pushed for Shokin's dismissal. So that version of this article, it makes it appear, first of all, it questions the validity of the FBI 1023 form. And this is the form that Christopher Wray was almost going to be held in contempt of court for not providing it to this oversight committee. Now, if it is so benign and the information in it is so truthful as the Hill is portraying, why would Chris Way, Chris Ray, hold out for so long in presenting it? That's a question that uh, I don't think you can answer, Steve, and I certainly can't answer. But it is, <laughs> no. it is an applicable one. So, mm-hmm. real quickly, let me hear, let you hear the top of another article: Biden's coerced Burisma CEO to pay them millions to help get Ukraine prosecutor fired, FBI form. Here's what the article starts off with. Joe Biden and Hunter Biden allegedly coerced Burisma CEO Mikola Zlochevsky to pay them millions of dollars in exchange for their help in getting the Ukrainian prosecutor investigating the company fired, according to allegations contained in an unclassified FBI document released Thursday by Senator Chuck Grassley. Grassley said he released the document, which describes an alleged criminal bribery scheme involving then-Vice President Biden and a Ukrainian business executive so that the American people can read this document for themselves without the filter of politicians or bureaucrats. The document in question is an FBI-generated FD-1023 form, which Grassley acquired via legally protected disclosures by Department of Justice whistleblowers, according to the senator's office. That FD-1023, a confidential human source reporting document, reflects the FBI's interview with a highly credible, that's the FBI's term for this guy, a highly credible confidential source who detailed multiple meetings and conversations he or she had with the top executive Ukrainian national gas firm Burisma Holdings over the course of several years, starting back in 2015. Hunter Biden, at the time, sat on the board of Burisma. Same story, same quote-unquote facts, but two completely different-sounding versions. Now, we went into this break talking about the First Amendment, freedom of speech. That applies to the media also. Do you see a little contradiction in the perspectives from the writers of each of those two stories? Yeah, I actually have both of those stories up on my screen as well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And I will tell you that 
we know, and you and I have spoken about this before, but it, it bears repeating and it bears repeating often and loudly. It's the lies of omission is the biggest sin of the mainstream media's presentation of the quote-unquote facts or the news. It's not what they say. It's what they withhold from us. It's what they don't tell us. And when they are reporting on this, as as was the case with the first uh, uh, version of the story that you read from the Hill, I mean, they, they can – pretend like they have told the story by just releasing that headline. I mean, you, you made a great point there, Dan Republicans release FBI form with unverified Biden Burisma allegations. That's the article's headline. That's the title of the article, right? Well, as you and I know, because we know the news and how it works and how people respond to the news, 99% of the people that are scanning headlines in the morning, wherever they get their morning dump of news, whether they're getting it from uh, whatever aggregating service that they subscribe to in their email or if it's uh, uh, looking at uh, something on uh, their social media, when they see that headline, Republicans release FBI form with unverified Biden Burisma allegations. That's it. They don't read even the first two or three paragraphs like you did to your audience just then. They already have established in their mind exactly everything that they need to know about this investigation and about the the commensurate and subsequent hearings that go along with that. And their mind is made up because that's where they that's what they're plugged into. That's where they get their um, their intravenous solution of left-wing news and they don't need to go any further than that but unfortunately for you and i we spend way too much time cross-checking and verifying when we see when we see headlines like that because so when i see a headline and and then when i see the one that you read from fox news if i see that one that's entitled biden's allegedly coerced charisma ceo ceo to pay them millions to help get ukraine prosecutor fired. Well, then after I read that story, I'm going to jump over to the Hill and I'm going to jump over to New York Times and Washington Post. I'm going to get their perspectives. And the one thing that we see time and time and time again, it's not what they say because they let's 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 be honest. You don't need to tell a lie to perpetrate the sin or the crime of disinformation or misinformation or let's call it what it really is. Propaganda. You just need to tell half of the story. Let me. And that's what you got there. Let me kind of give you um, a relative story that people that are listening can kind of relate to. Back in the early 70s, there was a phenomenal gospel singer, African-American, Andre Crouch. And he's Mm -hmm. a great songwriter. He wrote some of the most amazing songs he, uh, we met him at Explo 72, a big rally, Christian rally in Dallas in 1972. But we had started our group, and we sang every song that he had released up until that time in our group. And we even named our group after one of his songs, A Broken Vessel. The name of the group was The Vessels. And by uh, an accident, we, we met him at this rally, and uh, we became close friends. In fact, when I left radio, when Marianne and I got married out of college and I left radio and went to work in the car business, two days before I f- officially went to work, he did a concert in Ruston at Louisiana Tech. Our group there, Christian group Chi Alpha, sponsored it. And we had met 
again, as I told you, in 72. When he came after the show, the next morning, we uh, we went and met him for breakfast. And at breakfast, uh, it came out that I, I was through and I'd, I'd gone to work. And he said, where are you working? I said, a car dealership. And he said, what do you sell? And I sell Ford Lincoln Mercury's. And he said, do you have any pickup trucks? Sure. Well, can we go look at some? So I took him out to the dealership, and he actually bought a brand-new Ranger XLT pickup truck and sent – he had a second drummer with him at that part of the tour. He had that drummer drive it to Los Angeles, and he gave it to his father, which was a great thing. He was a good guy. And through the years, we remained friends. We saw each other regularly, and he always was a positive guy. But he was a multi-Grammy Award winner, made a fortune – in Christian music at the time, his rights on his songs. In fact, I will never forget this. Um, He was trying to decide at the dealership if if he wanted to finance it. And, of course, the dealership wanted him to because they make money off of the finance charges as well. And so he filled out an income application. And this is in, like, 1973, 74, 75. I think it was in 75. Mm. And um, he put his income as a million dollars a year. Now, in 1975, that was a lot of money. And, of course, most of his money came from uh, the royalties off his his songs and his records. So not six months later, a national story hit the news wires. Christian artists in Beverly Hills busted for possession of cocaine. Andre Crouch. (laughs) Now... I'm a friend of his. I hadn't talked to him in a while, and I I heard this story. I got a phone call. You hear what happened to Andre? Oh, my gosh. And so I didn't know who to call or what to do, so I just waited to see what happened. The real story comes out. Here's the real story. Now, it was on the front page Mm -hmm. of the L.A. Times, that story, with his picture, his mugshot. He drove a, for a while, record label gave him a Rolls-Royce convertible. He had the top down, was in Beverly Hills, driving down the street. Cops stopped him. And I know you know, I don't know if you knew him personally, but you know Andre. He was short, squatted, was always fighting his uh, weight gain. And when they stopped him, they looked over, and there was a bunch of white powder in the floor mat on the passenger side. And so they assumed, because back in the early 70s, it was cocaine, you know, that it was cocaine. So they took him in, arrested him, and, of course, then they sent everything off to the lab. The powder came back as Cambridge diet, stuff that you mixed with milk or water and drank for weight loss. Yep. L.A. Times, they didn't do a retraction but on like page 27 down in the bottom, they, they put a, a, a one paragraph set that said, um, white powder found in gospel music artist car was a diet drink powder, previously reported as allegedly being cocaine. Well, he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, he didn't do a thing wrong. But look what happened to him. His music, his sales, the record labels, they all dumped him because he was put together. He was a hero, and he had messed up. And I, I, that's a long story, but it really applies to this kind of stuff we're talking about. People 
want information. People are hungry for information. And things that are important to people, especially those things, we want all the information and news that we can get about it. So when somebody tells us something, even if it's negative, in some cases, especially if it's negative about someone, we're going to swallow the hook, line, and sinker. As you said, you and I aren't normal people in that we don't have the hours to spend. Most people don't to dig through and go to multiple sources about every little thing that is thrown out there. And guess who knows that better than you or I? Mainstream media. Mm -hmm. Mainstream media. And it doesn't matter if it's true. If you see it in the New York Times, the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, LA Times, if you see it there, if you're somebody that chooses for those to be your news outlet, you're going to believe what they say, period. And this is an exact example of that same thing happening. People hate, they hate the fact that it's been proven again and again already, and I can honestly say it has been, that there was wrongdoing on the part of FBI-approved money being received by different Biden family members. That part of it has not been negated. Facts and bank records prove that. Now, why and the purposes and the sources and all that are still to be determined but people want to know facts. And even when you're somebody that hates Donald Trump or hates mega MAGA people, whatever, and something negative comes out, you're going to jump on it like a duck on a June bug. Oh, there it is. We knew it. We knew it. And so your desired result is confirmed even though it's not factual. That's all part of this First Amendment thing that is under, not attack. It's under assault. And as you said, Steve, we saw it play out over and over and over again yesterday in that hearing. It got nasty. I mean, they were going after each other. Yeah, it was nasty both days. And and to to your to your earlier point, and of course, we were we were trying to figure out earlier who whistleblower X was. It's actually Joe Ziegler. And this is an important aspect of the story to make is that. This IRS whistleblower are the, the the two of them together, both Shapley and uh, Joe Ziegler, who who was then up until that day known as Whistleblower X. These were career IRS investigators. There's untarnished uh, records, actual award-winning veterans of the agents. I don't know what kind of award you give an IRS investigator, but apparently they have their own internal award systems because nobody else likes them. But the point being is, is that they have this credibility that was awarded to them by other investigators saying, as we said earlier, that these were credible sources. And when they were brought before Congress, and they had to tell their personal stories and they were getting slammed and getting questioned and their integrity was being called uh, uh, into question by the Democrats. It, w- it finally came time for Whistleblower X to reveal not only who he is, but to state the obvious that, look, I'm a Democrat. In fact, I'm a gay Democrat who is married to another man. This was not some left uh, a right-wing GOP um, uh, in-the-tank flamethrower 
designed to bring down the the Biden family. He just said, and he said, my my identity as a gay man, as a Democrat, doesn't make me any more credible than the gentleman sitting next to me. It's just the truth of who I am. And the bottom line is that what we're trying to show you is the truth of what was taking place in our investigation, the hurdles that we had to overcome, the obstacles that were being put up against us, the fact that we were being threatened at every level. That Dan, these guys were these guys in the investigative process were being threatened and told, if you continue down this path, it's not going to go good for you and your career. These are the kind of obstacles that they were up against at just digging up the truth. And then when it finally came time to lay out the numbers, they knew exactly to the penny how much the Biden family members had been had transferred into their various accounts from Romania, Ukraine, Russia, China. I mean, they had the numbers, they had the facts, they had the details on this. And it was the it was all the Democratic Party could do and those committee members from the Democratic side could do to try and, and stop and obfuscate. And then, of course, as, as as you mentioned a moment ago, we saw the same exact same thing yesterday with the. Uh, uh, RFK Jr. and that can in the weaponization committee testimony, but that's what they do. And if they can sully somebody's reputation on the stand, that's their process. Just as you were talking about Andre Crouch a moment ago. And by the way, I don't know how much how more time we have left, but uh, the first major artist I ever stood on stage with and performed uh, in a concert with was Andre Crouch at the old uh, Memorial Auditorium there in Shreveport on Grand Avenue. I guess it's not Grand Avenue anymore, is it? Uh, what they've renamed it. No, it's it's was, renamed. And um, not only was Presley I Boulevard or something. Not only was I at that concert, I promoted that concert. Uh, oh my goodness! I'm the one that brought him in from the West Coast. We did a concert there. The next night we went to Alexandria, and the third night we went to uh, USL campus in Lafayette. He did three shows: Shreveport, Alexandria, and those were the last times I ever saw him in person. In, uh, in a concert. I saw him in person several times, but not in a concert. Hey, listen, there's one well, more, I, there's one more thing we yeah, want, I want to get into, um, but we got to take a break. Steve Baker. I'm glad he, uh, agreed to come help me out today. It's always good to have him. He's got a different perspective on a lot of the things. Now, fundamentally we're pretty much on the same page, but he sees things, you know, shaded a little different way because he is in the middle of this. Like he said, he's going to be in D.C. Monday and Tuesday. And that literally is right in the middle of it. But it's good to get a perspective. And he always, even though I never like to admit this about anybody, he always knows a little bit more about this stuff than I do. And I'm glad that he joined us. He'll be back with us for final words from him in just a minute. You're juvenile, mate. Everyone has one. The guy that's fun to be around, but he's dangerous to be around. You've got to keep him away from your things, like your tools, your gadgets, and your girlfriend. So before you get your juvenile mate around, get your lips around a dare iced coffee. The real Arabica and Robusta coffee kick will tell you what to do. Hire a jumping castle. Hours of fun for kids of all ages. A dare iced coffee fix will fix it. Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not gonna cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> Movies right when you want them. 
Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes. For insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please, forgive us for never washing our hands. Ever! Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity of the man who's in the process. Uncertain about what you see and hear in mainstream media? Worried about getting the truth? No worries anymore. Get the truth, only the truth, at TNN, the Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Now, we don't have an exclusive on the truths and facts here, but what you hear here is going to be factual. Anytime we bring you news, information, and even when we're pretty sure that it's the real thing, if we bring it to you before we've confirmed it's real, we always have that disclaimer. We've been investigating this. We're pretty certain it's true, but we're still digging. Just want you to know it's out here for you to know it's out here. And when we confirm it either way, we'll come back and tell you. Not many places go to those extremes to do it. And uh, it takes a lot of extra time. It really does. Steve Baker is with us today and. Steve, I want to kind of boil all this down. You're a heavy thinker, and I like the way you've always thought. Anytime and every time we get together personally, you share ideas and ideals, and I compare them with mine. And often, maybe substantively, we're on the same page about things, but you've got a different perspective, and I really respect that. And I have sometimes different perspectives than do you, and you respect those two. We don't see much of that in the media any longer. We don't see that. It's like if somebody says something a little different or disagrees with you, or you say something and they disagree with it, they're going to come after you. And the only way they can get people not to believe what you're saying is to totally destroy you and your credibility. It hasn't Mm -hmm. always been that way, especially in the media. How did we get to this place? How did we get here? Yeah. Um, (laughs) I I think that a lot of people that I've heard discuss, because this this is not a, not the first time I've heard that question. And a lot of the quote unquote analysts or experts who have, who have studied this think that this is a product now of 30 years of social media interaction where we can have where, where the debate was taking place in a, a format to where you didn't really know who you were talking to on the other end of that, you know, that uh, internet computer uh, digital line. It was an anonymous person or you didn't know if it was the correct person. But the bottom line is, is you had the shield, which sometimes was, you know, 
thousands of miles away from the person that you were debating. So therefore you could just be as nasty as you always wanted to be. So all those thoughts you used to have in your head that you were polite about as we were back 40 years ago and 50 years ago when we might've been debating somebody, or maybe when you were interviewing somebody on the, on the radio, think about that, Dan, how many years ago that if you were going to interview on somebody on the radio, they had to be in the studio with you. Yeah. They yeah. couldn't be remote. And then then we got to the place where they could do, you know, ISD line, ISD end lines and do remote interviews. And then the Internet came along and eventually streaming got so good that we could do these things just like you and I are doing right now. Uh, being uh, we're, we're over a thousand miles from each other at this very moment. But it sounds like we're in the same room with one another. And the uh, the point being is, is that as that technology proliferated, people began to say with their outside voice <laughs> the things that they were thinking in their head. And it's been this slow process for the last 30 years since CompuServe, AOL, MySpace, Facebook, to the place where now um, people have been exercising that muscle of um, intolerance and getting by with it. And it seems now that it, there's no, there's no, Hold, holds barred any longer. So when they, we disagree with our, our who used to be our neighbor or our friend, uh, now it, 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 it's a situation where just having a disagreement over a political issue, it ends relationships, it ends uh, brotherhoods, it ends family relationships, friendships, neighborhoods, uh, church relationships, whatever the case may be just over a difference of opinion related to politics. Whereas I remember, and I've, I've had this conversations many times in the last several months, I remember being in the music business and traveling all over, all over the world with guys that I might be in total, complete differential, uh, 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 total, complete different set of values related to politics, left, right, or whatever. And it was never a problem being on the same bus with them and passing them in the aisle of the bus with them or standing on stage with them uh, every single night and going to rehearsals with them. Never a problem at all. It was just, it, you know, hey, we had a difference, but otherwise we loved each other, respected each other, and uh, we got along great. You, you, you can't do that anymore. I have a 10-piece band, and it's, it is policy. It's verboten. We don't talk politics. It just does not happen. Every once in a while, if it, you know, we finally figure out and maybe me and this guy over there in the corner, you know, we kind of, we kind of maybe think, I kind of, I, I have the impression that maybe we think the same way, you know, he, he's got, you know, a dozen kids and he homeschools them. Oh goodness. He might be one of us. And you finally can, you know, sneak off to the side and say, Hey, you know, uh, brother, are you, you know, you're on the same side of the political aisle with me and you start to have, and you can find out that you have some commonality there, but otherwise we avoid it like the plague because you just can't do that any longer and keep a group together of any kind. When Facebook first began, I stayed away from it for several years. And the reason I did was because of what you just said. You could be anonymous. Now, however you logged on, what your username, your ID was on Facebook, you didn't have to be honest with it. You could, you mm -hmm. could be pretty much anything. And I yep. stayed away from it because I saw the not just the possibility, but the probability of going down that vein where people would just get into it and there was no accountability for anything you posted. Really, there wasn't. I mean, what was Facebook going to do back then? Were they going to, you know, 
censor you. They weren't even doing that in the early days. They didn't get political until the advent of, I guess, um, George W. Bush, uh, I think, shortly after that, when politics seemed to have been legitimized to talk about in every venue and anything goes. But the reason I stayed away from it, I called people, and I still do every once in a while, on Facebook and Twitter, I call them drive-by shooters. There's no accountability. (laughs) There's no accountability. Anybody can come by and they may not even know you. They don't know anything about you, but somehow, for some reason, they're scrolling and they see a post that you made or they see a picture of you. And they just arbitrarily determine they're going to come after you. And I call those drive-by shooters because I don't have any idea who they really are. I mean, I can look at what their uh, what their background, I can click on their page and see what they claim but just because they claim something, say something, doesn't mean that's who they are. Two of my closest friends in college, I mean, people that I got along with, I mean, friend friends, both of them are hardcore left. I mean, hardcore left. Mm. And in the early going, um, we got after each other. I mean, we were friends. I thought it was okay. But both of them defriended me on Facebook, and I didn't defriend them, but I I reached out to both of them, and I said, what's this about? And I made them tell me what it was about. The sad part about this is you and I started our lives, our adult lives, in an era where we could disagree with people. Like you said, you're band members, and you could talk things through and come up with ways to push through in relationships with people that you value, you could push through those. And sometimes at the end of a conversation, you just got to a point where you could say honestly, well, we'll just agree to disagree. Now, how about them bears? Move on to something else. And that was just part of life. That's not out there anymore. We have at least two generations now that the feeling is, the sense is, You have an obligation to verbally destroy somebody who is of a different political ilk than are you, regardless of what it is. Silence them. Oh, whatever it takes. That's right. Kick them to the curb. That's right. And I think social media, not social media as it was originally designed to function, but when they opened it up so that secrecy became the order of the day, It just gave all kinds of people thoughts of ways to be mean and ugly and say anything they want to say about anybody with zero accountability from anybody. Literally became drive-by shooters. And I think that's why we're here today. Sadly, I don't see a real world in which we can do anything about that I think people like Elon Musk, they see the problem. When he bought Twitter, and I can guarantee you many, many times since he signed that check, he wish he didn't sign it. He's lost billions of his wealth (laughs) because he didn't understand that a whole new era of communications publicly in the U.S. came to pass because of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube. And you can't put the cows back in the barn 
once they get out. I don't think we're going to be able to do it. And I think the left will not be happy until they, at least in media, social media, they have made it so that they have the unfettered universal right to censor on those media outlets, maybe those I just mentioned, maybe other ones that are yet to be formed, but they're going to keep pushing until they have a way that they can say is legitimately authorization for them to censor and do away and shut up the people with whom they disagree. That is it. Buddy, it's always good when you join us. Well, Seymour, I'm glad to help you out this morning. <laughs> My friend. Dan and uh, Seymour. <laughs> I, uh, I, am, I am glad you agreed to help me out. You took a lot of pressure off of me today. Oh, I will say this. Yeah. I didn't know people on this show listening didn't know anything was wrong. And it wasn't like okay. anything was wrong. I just, I, my eyesight was failing. I had bad cataracts. And uh, I knew I was going to have to do something eventually. And a couple of months ago, the doctor said, you better do it right now because you may not make it much longer. And once you lose your vision, you don't get it back. So I started the actions. And I'm seeing better than I can ever remember in my life seeing. And it happened overnight. I'm telling you, we can go into it on another day, maybe bring in an expert to tell you. But uh, if you've got cataracts, there's what I would consider basically an easy fix. And it is a little costly, but how much is your eyesight worth? Um, check but Let in. me tell you, Dan, you could have had patches over both eyes, and you've got the talent, the skill, the experience to go on this radio program for two hours and lay it out there and nobody would have known the difference. So, but I would have, I would have. And, uh, I would, I I don't know how I'd live if I couldn't literally see people around me. And I know people, let, let me just quickly tell you this. When I was getting my second eye done yesterday, early yesterday morning, I sat next to a gentleman, an African American general gentleman that was getting the same fix that I was getting Difference is, one of his eyes was totally occluded by a, uh, I just said, a cataract. He had been blind in that eye for 40 years, had not seen a thing. And I sat there and listened to the doctor. It was another doctor that was doing his surgery. Came in and told him when when he knew exactly how long this guy had been blind in that eye. He said, let me tell you this, sir. We don't know what the shape of your eye is going to be until we do this surgery. And even if you don't come back to 2020, you haven't seen anything out of that eye in 30 years. You will Mm. see far better than you ever thought you'd be able to see out of it. I promise you that. So that kind of gave me a a sense that these these doctors that are in this particular line of uh, eye surgery. They know what they're doing. Just make yeah. sure if you yeah. if you want to go check it out, find somebody that's credible and check them out before the, you start letting them cut on your eye. You don't want to hear and during this procedure, you don't want to hear the doctor say, uh-oh, Oops. <laughs> I slipped. <laughs> Steve, well, if I ever have to have eye surgery, I want Rand Paul to do it. I want Dr. Rand Paul. I don't know about Dr. that. Rand I love Rand Paul, but I don't know if I want him with a scalpel oh, yeah. in <laughs> 
<laughs> working on my eyes. Remember, remember when Reagan got shot, you know, before they put him under the anesthesia, he, you know, he said, Hey, you know, he was making sure that the the surgeon wasn't a Democrat. <laughs> one, of, one of his great one of his great moments of uh, humor in such a, a dire circumstance. Well, at least in the case of Rand Paul, we would know he's one of us, so he wouldn't be out to That's get right. us uh, while we're under for political purposes. Steve, thank you so much exactly. for being here. I know you're going to be in D.C. Normally, you're with us on Tuesdays. Uh, yep. I hope you can come in Tuesday, but just let me know so we can plan a call. I will. I will do that. All right, buddy. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Dan. You too. Steve, Steve Baker, one of the big friends to this audience. It's great to have him as a partner and glad that he could come in and help us every time. He brings a new set of circumstances and facts to us every time he comes aboard. Speaking of that, Megan Kelly is up next, and she has both of those two whistleblowers. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. We got you something. It's a deep, deep dish pepperoni and bacon pizza, and we gift wrapped it with over three and a half feet of bacon. You've been working so hard. We love you. Get a Little Caesars large bacon wrapped deep, deep dish pizza for just 12 bucks. Try our convenient app and pizza portal pickup. Pizza, pizza. 35 years after the original movie, Fox is bringing you back to where it all began. Nobody. Let's baby in the corner. This is the real Dirty Dance. Yeah. Eight celebrities compete to become the real Baby and Johnny. Work on my Johnny is. Some will rise. Some will fall. All will have the time of their life. The real Dirty Dancing four-week event starts Tuesday at 9 on Fox 5. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. Megan Kelly, long-timer at Fox News. She got into a little tiff with some of the um, Fox News executives, and she left to head to um, NBC, did a daytime show there. It wasn't very successful. And so she decided to leave NBC, but she had a no-compete. She stayed silent for a long, long time. But I'm glad she is no longer silent. And uh, last night, she does a national podcast, and I forget the name of the podcast, video podcast. Last night, uh, she had those two IRS whistleblowers on that Steve and I were talking about from those Wednesday committee hearings. I want you to listen to these two guys talking to her. She's really good at drawing information out of guests on her show. Merrick Garland had come down, had come out repeatedly and suggested that David Weiss was in charge. Uh, here is Merrick Garland testifying before Congress April 2022, April 2022, 
um, appearing before Congress, assuring them about why they did not need to worry about any DOJ interference or about this investigation being conducted in an independent manner. SOT 13. Have you been briefed on the Hunter Biden investigation matter yourself, General Garland? So the um, Hunter Biden investigation, as I said, even in my own nomination uh, um, confirmation hearing, is being run by and supervised by the United States Attorney for the District of Delaware. He's a, I'm aware of that, but he reports to you. He is supervising the investigation, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not at liberty to talk about internal Justice Department deliberations, but he is in charge of that investigation. There will not be interference of any uh, uh, political or improper kind. How can the American people be confident that his administration is conducting a serious investigation? Because we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee from the previous administration. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to trust David Weiss, the guy running this, because he's a Trump guy. He was a Trump appointee, and they relied on that many times. Was that true in your view? Was he trustworthy because he was a Trump appointee and was, as Merrick Garland said, quote, in charge of the investigation? Yeah, look, it's clear that uh, every DOJ employee that's going to answer any questions on this topic is going to uh, immediately invoke this fact that it was a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. But, Megan, when when they put these witnesses in, in front of Congress, they're going to have to admit that they went to the President Biden appointed U.S. attorney uh, to, to, to look to charge in D.C. in March of 2022, which was one month before Attorney General Garland made those particular statements. And Gary, let me just jump in and make that clear for our audience. Stand by, stand by. Because what you're saying is, yes, okay, David Weiss, he was running herd on this, but you needed to bring the charges, you guys thought, and the team agreed, in D.C. and the Central District of California. And that meant asking other U.S. attorneys outside of Delaware to cooperate in the investigation. Those were Biden appointees. Those are Biden-appointed U.S. attorneys, and you were turned down in both instances, which is something that they've been obfuscating on since you guys came forward. Continue. Yeah, that's correct. And, and they're going to have to admit they went to D.C., right, as I said before, and they're going to have to admit that they went to a Central District of California to request a, a approval there. So um, as uh, uh, U.S. Attorney Weiss's stories have changed in his uh, ongoing letters, um, you know, he's going to say, well, I asked him to partner but when the, the key uh, uh, point from DOJ is, is how you can trust the American people to trust this investigation is that it's being run by a Trump appointed U.S. attorney. And you, you, you go to a President Biden appointed U.S. attorney once, not once, but twice. I mean, it's just on its face. It's just a clear misrepresentation of, of the level of authority that he has. Mm-hmm. And I want to be clear with the with with that with that ta- like the reason why they did 2014 and 15 first almost immediately once they got my prosecution report is the statute of limitations for those years were set to expire later on that year. So it was important that we went to that U.S. Attorney's office and started to get this rolling because we were running up against that deadline. 
Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Because we're looking at taxes, tax charges for 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, as I said, and um, you're you're running up against it on the 14 ones, which were serious, which were very serious. So, and I want to get to everything that Merrick Garland is saying now and what David Weiss, how he's trying to defend himself. But let's just finish with a couple of the items on how you feel that they interfered. Um, you say that you you went to them, that everybody agreed, okay, we're going to charge. We're going to charge uh, in D.C., and everyone wants to do this, and that you then went to this U.S. attorney, Matthew Graves. He was the attorney by this point for D.C., and he not only said, no, I don't want to partner with you, he also said, and you shouldn't do it either. And basically, this is the president's man trying to kill your case in D.C. And that, Joe, right after that, you stopped talking about D.C. It wasn't like David Weiss said, oh, no, 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 I've got this special attorney designation and Matthew Graves cannot shut us down. I've been assured by Merrick Garland, I am in charge. We will be bringing these charges in D.C. because they are the most serious, the ones from 14 and 15. And I'm sorry he doesn't want to partner with us, but he's not making the decisions. That did not happen. Yeah, so at that point, it kind of went back to, well, this is in David's hands now. That's how it was communicated to us. And now we essentially had to reinvestigate the 2014 and 15 tax years. And then through our reinvestigation, we found uh, uh, the, the, the mechanism for the 2014 uh, allegations that we present in our transcript of essentially what happened. So one, one thing that I want to add on the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office is that Gary and I requested multiple times to present on the evidence and the facts in my prosecution report to that U.S. Attorney's Office, and we were denied. And that is not, in in cases I've worked, you want the people who know the evidence the best to present to the prosecutors. Mm, He didn't want to hear it. This is Biden's guy who understands very well. It's not very good for his career if he indicts Biden's son. There are so many moving parts to this. Things that we hear, things that we don't hear, And if we can, we have to find ways to read through and come up with the facts for ourselves. That's a tough one to do. News is out today that that judge down in Florida has set the trial for the Mar-a-Lago documents, the classified documents, the charges against Donald Trump for that. That trial is set for May the 20th of next year, May the 20th. That's about the time we get into a very heated 2024 election cycle. That's going to be special, isn't it? Something new coming out by Jack Smith, the um, the counsel, the special counsel appointed by Merrick Garland to go after Mr. Trump. And it looks like they're specifically for his alleged violations in the January 6th stuff. So Jack Smith sent a letter to Trump, and in it he referred to three criminal statutes as part of the grand jury investigation in efforts Trump's efforts to reverse the 2020 election. Two of the statutes were familiar from the criminal referral by the House January 6th committee, but there is a third one that is a little different, a surprise. Section 241 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code which makes it a crime for people to conspire, to injure, oppress, or threaten, 
or intimidate any person in the free exercise of enjoyment of any right or privilege secured to him by the Constitution or laws of the United States. So Jack, Mr. Smith, is planning on using that against President Trump in the Mar-a-Lago case. I don't know how you how you come up with this. I don't know. But the Oath Keepers and a whole bunch of other January 6th people that were arrested, these same charges, that Section 241 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code, were used against them. It's something brand new. They're finding a waste to use it against Donald Trump this time, against all those convicted and put in jail already. Hey, guys, that's a wrap on Friday. Hey, have you ever tried Really reaching out for the other side I may be climbing on rainbows But baby, here goes Dreams there for those who sleep For us to keep And if you're wondering What this all is leading to I want to make it with you I really think that we could make it Time will tell If you believe the things that I do And we'll see it through Life can be short or long Love can be right or wrong And if I chose the one I'd you